Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. I think one of my favorite phrases, and I have many of them, is your kids will not remember who had how many days during spring break of 2024, but they will remember the fight you had about it. So I really encourage people to think about the importance of what you're fighting about and will that matter in 10 years? Will your kids look back and go, wow, my life would have been so much better if dad would have had spring break in 2023 instead of mom. Probably not. But what will matter to them was the big argument they had to witness on your way out of town because one parent was saying, you better bring them back on this day. And then the other one was saying, no, I'm not because the court order says those are the kinds of things that stick with kids. So put it in perspective. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I have a treat today. I have actually have two guests who are hosts of another podcast called Co-Parent Dilemmas. I have Diane Dirks with me. She's a marriage and family therapist and Rick Voiles, who's a mediator and kind of an anger management specialist, I think. So (laughs) so today we're going to really talk a lot about co-parenting. And I'm so thrilled to get to know Diane and Rick better because they have some information that surprisingly I don't know a lot about. I'm under the realm of a mediator who does, you know, really coaches my clients to do co-parenting to work together because we've seen some really good results when they can do that. Then I happened to run across one of your podcast episodes and you were talking about parallel parenting and how co-parenting doesn't always work. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I want to begin with your stories of why you're doing what you're doing. And then I want to get into all the good information about parallel parenting. So welcome. And Diane, I don't know, do you want to start? Sure. I'm Diane Dirks, and it's so good to be with you, Lisa. So thank you for inviting us. I have kind of a roller coaster story where to begin, but you know, where I ended up is not where I think I started out. But I was a single mom myself about 30 years ago and began to do a lot of writing about that. I had a journalism degree and and then one thing led to another and I decided I wanted to get a master's degree in something that had to do with families. And then I ended up a mediator because I didn't have the option of mediation when I went through a divorce. So then I got trained as a mediator. And then I started teaching classes for the courthouse or for the courts because they needed someone to do that. And next thing I know, people were saying, are you a therapist? And I said, no, but I should be. So I went and got another degree and became a therapist. And so one thing morphed into another. And now here I am kind of at the end of my career and wanting to retire from the one-on-one things, but Rick and I started to do this podcast because I didn't really want to write a book. 
I've written books before and books are confining. And Rick knows I could talk and talk and talk till the cows come home. So we love the podcast because it's like writing a chapter in a book every week and it never ends. So that allows me to process. It allows me to stay in touch with the clients that we love so much. And it actually is a learning process for me to hear what they have to say. Culturally, things morph and change and sort of evolve over time what people are dealing with now versus what they maybe were dealing with 20 years ago. So uh, it's always a learning process. And and Rick and I enjoy hanging out together because we're, he's my yin to my, he's the yin to my yang <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> and he laughs at all my jokes. So that's really important. That's a really good quality. And so I love, you have a really great mix of, you know, things that are making you a great mediator, a great, expert in co-parenting. It sounds like you've mediated, you're a therapist, and I love people who love learning. And I, I'm a grandma and I just keep on going. I just want to learn as much as I can. And I think your podcast is a great resource for people. And that's what I always you. hope, you know, that mine is as well. I mean, to just, that's the most important thing to me to be able to share it with my clients and listeners. So Thank you for that. And now, Rick, would you mind sharing with us how you got in this seat? Sure. Um, I was in graduate school and pretty near graduating Emory. I was there. I became a mediator in 1993, just at the end of my education, decided I wanted to have it as a backup plan. Well, I fell in love with it and started headed in that direction. Did some teaching at various universities did mediation in the courts for a long time, then divorce mediation, then coaching. Then I ended up with leadership development and corporate training and now doing co-parenting work, which I, I just love working with two people, parents with children, probably that aren't doing very well because of the conflict between them and to be able to work with them on that conflict for the betterment, for the emotional and mental well-being of the children. And just to see that process unfold as a parent coordinator is just very rewarding. Well, okay. I love, I love hearing that because I think the reason that I do this is because of the children. And so that's why I want to talk to you. And what I have unique clients that I love that come to me and they want to work together. They want a divorce together. So they may have a little bit of a different relationship. They may actually be able to co-parent. They may be able to turn off the switch from the marriage and start in on the business of being parents together. Speak to that. Are you of the belief that that can never happen? Well, I think, you know, and Rick probably would agree with me, but feel free to jump in. The, of all the many people that we see in our organization, I would say it's very rare that you have two people that simply cannot do the co-parenting. More often than not, we don't see people that are cooperative on both sides. More often than not, we see couples where one person wants to cooperate. The other person is not able for whatever reason, whether they have a personality disorder or they just love chaos or conflict. It's how they were raised, maybe, and they're not comfortable with cooperation. So our focus is really on how do we help that one person who wishes they could be cooperative, but they're not dealing with another person on the other side who has the capabilities to be what they want. 
How do we help them set boundaries and be okay with the parallel style and not feel like a failure? Because people have this social kind of idea in their head that if we're not cooperative, like my cousin Joe and his wife, then somehow we're failures as co-parents. And if that were the case, I mean, think about it. People get a divorce for a reason. They're horrible in a relationship, but yet they divorce and we expect them somehow to be great cooperative co-parents. That's a pretty unrealistic expectation for most people. So it's not that we're against cooperation. We love that. We just don't see those people because they don't need us. Thank you. Okay. So you're not saying that it can't work. You're saying that it can, and that's awesome if it does. But if sure. you're in a, yeah. So if you're in a situation where someone has a personality disorder or it's impossible to work together and co-parent, that's when you talk about parallel parenting. Can you yes. give, tell me a little bit more about what it is? What is parallel parenting? Yeah. Parallel parenting is a parenting style. So actually there's three different styles that are available. One is cooperative co-parenting. One is conflict co-parenting, where all they do is stay in conflict. And about 20% of the separated divorce population stay in that conflict scenario. Only about 25 to 30% can do the cooperative co-parenting style. And then 50% end up in the parallel co-parenting style. One of the things that I struggled with at the beginning of this whole field was my assumption that the word co-parent meant cooperative, that the two words were synonymous, that co meant cooperate. We we do this together. But to find out that there's different styles to be a co-parent was helpful to me. We've got cooperative, we have parallel. And then the research indicated that all of the children who were able to operate or live, the parents figured out a parallel style, those children fared just as well as any of the children that were exposed to a cooperative parenting style. So parallel for us means, well, for me, basically, I got a little saying, I'm a parent, you're a parent. We're not parents together. And then that is the structure of parallel. I have my lane, you have your lane, and our number one goal is to stay out of that conflict style because Mm -hmm. it's the conflict that hurts the children. So the kids don't suffer because of lack of cooperation. They suffer because of the presence of conflict. So it's not that you need to be cooperative in order for the kids to be okay. You need to have a style in which there isn't conflict. Does that make sense? And you can have a friendly, respectful relationship that doesn't go over the top with having to have lunch together and go on vacation together and do holidays together and talk every day and text every day. Honestly, a lot of people just can't handle that. I've encountered people that don't want to do that. I'm I'm divorcing now, especially after they get a new love interest. They really don't right. want to have that flow with their ex. They really want to be put that in perspective in a business-like manner. And the way that Rick and I have always taught the parallel style is to, first of all, have a way to communicate, which is why we talk mm-hmm. about the communication protocol a lot in our podcast, 
if you picture it as a ladder, like Rick says, we're parallel. We each have one side to that ladder and we're going along in our business and doing our business separately as parents. But the rungs on the ladder are the predictable, consistent communication points. So if you decide we're going to communicate once a week, and that's where we'll do all our business of co-parenting, there's no surprises. Once a week, we get on the email, we exchange ideas or whatever it is we need to do, and then we have a predictable, consistent time to the next rung on the ladder. If you had a ladder where the rungs were everywhere, all over the place, it would be hard to climb that ladder. Okay. So that works for a lot of people. And for many people that we put into this system will tell us this saved my life because I was at the whim and the will of my co-parent every time he sent me a text, every time she called me on the phone. If I didn't answer, I got berated as if there's still a couple. And then they say, I didn't really get a divorce. I got a legal divorce, but I didn't get an emotional divorce right. because he's still attacking me like he did before or she's still on my case all the time like she was before, there has to be a mechanism for one person to be able to say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. We're going to take care of the business of our children, but we're not going to be in relationship anymore. That's interesting because that kind of sounds like what I'm doing in, in those situations, but I didn't have it all set apart like you're talking about, because I will let them know, you know, like I said in the beginning, your marriage relationship is done. And now, yeah. and then I, and I actually tell them, don't talk about anything but the kids. And if you have to discuss something about the divorce, set that up at a specific time and don't talk about your kids then. Talk oh, about that. So, I'm, okay, yeah. well, that's good to know. Cause here I was like, well, I might be just doing this all wrong. So I'm not, I'm not so <laughs> no, off, no. I'm not so off, but I like these definitions and I, it helps expand my thinking. So I want to kind of get back to that ladder. And can you walk me through a little bit of what it looks like when you're working with parents? Because like I said, it sounds like I'm kind of doing some of the things you're doing, but I want to, feel it in, in, you know, when you're working with two parents together, how do you set things up? What per, do you set parameters? Do you set goals? How do you, how do you do this? Before we get there though, Lisa, I just want to say something to what you said earlier. You know, there's going to be things happen. There's going to be times when we're going to have to be flexible. And I just want to say that that depends on your particular co-parent relationship. Everybody kind of has to know where their tolerance level is and what they know their co-parent probably better than anyone. We've actually worked with some parents who the conflict is so bad that we tell them if they text you on Wednesday, say, thank you for texting me, but I will, won't address this till Sunday night in our email because they're smart enough to know that they're getting baited. They're getting texts just so that they can get them into a conversation. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So there are other couples that can tolerate that. So when we're doing parenting coordination, for instance, the first thing that we do when we get a court order that says they need a parenting coordinator, and we can assume they're high conflict or they wouldn't need a parenting coordinator. So we do make that assumption up front. First thing that we do is ask them to not change anything in their parenting plan for the first 90 days. Because if we can't see if you can manage a parenting plan 
without conflict, how are we going to tolerate flexibility? So we ask them, don't make changes because it's kind of astounding. They'll spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in court getting a parenting plan. And then two weeks out of the court, they're wanting to change the parenting plan, usually because somebody's not happy with what they have. And now they're trying to hound the other parent to, well, can't I just have that extra day like I wanted anyway that the judge didn't give me? And so we don't want that to happen. Let Show us that you can handle 90 days just following the plan. If they do that, then we say, okay, let's see if we can now build in some flexibility. So it's kind of like if you had a rash and you went to the doctor and you were like, I don't know why I have this rash and the doctor would do what? Probably say, well, let's just take everything down to the bare minimum, you know, wash your clothes in water and vinegar or something, you know, and Mm -hmm. then let's start adding in so we can see what the culprit is, so we can see what might happen from there. Nine times out of 10, the problem parent, the one who's more interested in fighting than keeping their kids out of conflict, will not like that boundary. They will then fight that boundary. (laughs) They'll often get mad at the parenting coordinator. They're the ones who want to leave because they don't want to be that controlled. But that tells us a lot. It tells us that maybe by setting that kind of boundary, what they're saying is, I really don't want these boundaries because then I can't control the time that I have with my kids. I can't control my co-parent. And so how do you know what's causing the rush until you take everything down to the, the bare bones and then begin to say, okay, maybe we can tolerate some flexibility. Does that make sense? It does make sense, but I can't help but wonder. I, I love that tool. What happens if the if you're saying the one parent who maybe doesn't want to work together isn't willing to do that? You know, then that, we hold that, the line as parenting coordinators and we say, okay, you can't tolerate it. We've tried. You can't even tolerate staying out of conflict when you have very specific boundaries set up by the court. Because I'm all for, I mean, almost every court order says the parties will have this time with their children unless mm-hmm. they agree otherwise, right? There's right. usually an out in court orders. Right. We don't give them an out until they earn the out show me you can follow the court order, then we'll look at the the flexibility. And a lot of times they do it well, and then we move them into a more flexible kind of style. But when they can't do it well, then you just say, no, I don't think you're the kind of co-parents that can handle flexibility. And that's unfortunate. But what's not unfortunate is it doesn't matter because the kids will work through that. They'll figure it out. They'll understand. And as long as the two of you just keep doing the same consistent, dependable things with kids and they have the benefit of both of you in their lives, they really will be okay. Right. Okay. Can we kind of use the rest of this time? I'm thinking of, you you know, you've given a tool about what a parent can do if they want to be cooperative and the other parent doesn't. And you said, if they text you in the middle of the week and you've agreed to talk on Sunday, you don't take the bait. Can you like give my listeners a little bit more on what they can do when they're with someone that's not cooperating? What can they do when someone, when they're not cooperating? Can you give me an example? Well, for instance, say we can just use the example that we used where somebody, you have an agreement that you're going to talk once a week and your ex or 
that the co-parent is sending you a text and maybe not even talking about the kids. And then you say, no, I'm going to address this on Monday, like we talked about, and then they continue to send. Or if you've agreed on, you know, I mean, anything, if you've agreed on the schedule and one person isn't, I just want to help that person who's struggling out there, who wants things to work is, are there tools? Yeah. Yes. So usually the danger is that one person wants to be nice And it's usually that one who's saying, well, how could I say yes to what they want? And so they'll try to find a way. And then the other person will ask for a little bit more. And they'll go, well, I'm trying to find a way to be nice. So I'll try to find a way to say yes. And then they ask for a little bit more. And then pretty soon, your schedule, the one who's saying yes, is chaotic. You don't know when they're coming. You don't know when you have the kids. You don't know if you're going to get a phone call in the middle of the night simply because they want directions to the dentist tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, now suddenly your life is chaotic because you kept trying to be nice and kept trying to say yes. The faulty thinking is that if I say yes and be nice, it will benefit my children. Well, it's not going to benefit your children if your life is chaotic. If you don't have any control over your schedule or what you are expected to do for your children, you're now held hostage by this other parent. So no is a perfectly good answer. Now, what do you say no around? It's not just a whim. It's what does the parenting plan say? I think one of the biggest mistakes most people have is they don't understand the purpose of a parenting plan. The parenting plan has one purpose. The only reason you walk out of there with a parenting plan is to protect the children. So I could easily say, no, let's follow the schedule that the parenting plan laid out. Yeah, but this is special. Yeah, this is, uh, no, let's just follow the schedule that the parenting plan laid out. Now, technically, you're not saying no. The judge said no the day you walked out of court. And they said no because they thought at that moment, all right, this is the best plan we could come up with to eliminate conflict and protect the children. So every time you try to deviate from the plan, you're the one trying to be nice. You literally are the one putting your children at risk. And you can really say those things in a kind, respectful way. You don't, yes. you know, tone matters. So I agree with Rick, you know, no, I always tell people, no, let's just follow the parenting plan because we don't do flexibility well. Yes. And that's usually the truth. We call it the give them an inch, take a mile concept. And people really relate to that. I know I want to give in to her, but every time I do, she takes advantage of me. We call this a double bind. So I'm giving, giving, giving. She's taking advantage, taking advantage to the point where, you know, I had primary custody, but now she has more time than I do because I'm trying to be nice. And then they turn around and tell the judge, hey, I want custody now because I've had the kids more than he has. And that's happened. We've seen that happen before. So the double bind is I'm going to ask for more time. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to call you a bad parent. If you do give it to me, I'm going to take advantage of you. So then they feel stuck no matter what. Whichever way it goes, if I say no, I'm getting criticized. If I say yes, 
I'm being taken advantage of. And that beats people down. So we try to tell them it really is okay for a time at least to say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. We don't do flexibility very well. Or, you know, we just got out of court. Let's take a break from one another and just follow the plan. There are lots of things you can say that you need to say not for the other person's benefit, but that you need to say for your own benefit. You need to hear yourself say the truth. I'm not comfortable with that. We don't do flexibility well. Let's just stick to the plan for a little while till everything calms down. We've been through a lot. And they still may come back and say, you're a terrible co-parent. I can't believe you're treating me that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Our kids are going to be criminals or whatever. And you have to let that roll off because what you just said is your truth. And nine times out of 10, if you've been in a bad relationship, but you have a good heart, you probably have had your self-esteem beat down to this point where the only way you think you can retrieve it is to keep doing the same thing you were doing in the relationship that didn't work. A lot of people need to go to therapy to kind of raise their self-esteem a little bit so that they can set these kinds of boundaries with confidence. And it's hard. If you have been abused emotionally or physically or otherwise, these things are hard to do. You have to do some personal growth and some personal change before you can get to the point sometimes to do some of the things that we're talking about. I love everything that you both just said. I love the idea of using that parenting plan to support you, you know, and Rick, when you were talking and then Diane answered it as well, the boundaries, setting up the boundaries. And I always tell my clients, work on yourself, whether it's coaching or therapy or whatever you need, that is going to help you be able to let that roll off if they're saying you know, you're a bad parent if you follow that parenting plan, but it also speaks to the truth of how important a parenting plan is. And I have clients, yes. I do a flat fee. Part of the whole deal is a parenting plan is always included and people walk away from it. No, mm. we don't need that. I don't want that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. And I think it's just, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. Why wouldn't you just spend a little bit of time to have that. So it's so valuable. So I love everything that you just said, because I see so much value in that parenting plan. Um, so I appreciate that. Hey, friends, you may have heard me mention my swan analogy, how mediation is a lot like a swan gliding on a lake, not necessarily happy, not necessarily sad, but content, calm, and peaceful. I especially want this for my parents. And in custody cases involving alcohol, it can be very difficult to find peace of mind if you're fearful your child's safety is in jeopardy. Soberlink helps ease these concerns and improve child safety, which is why I recommend it to all my clients who raise concerns over a co-parent's alcohol misuse. Soberlink has remote alcohol monitoring technology, allowing parents to receive real-time alerts multiple times a day, ensuring the child is with a sober parent. Similar to mediation, Soberlink is time and cost-effective and worth every penny knowing your child is safe. To begin receiving real-time alerts that your child is safe, and to receive $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com slash different. I 
And now I'm looking at the clock and I cannot believe how fast this went. It's already, we're already rolling into the saddle up segment where I ask my guests, you've already given us so much great information, but for one piece of information, a little tidbit or tool, something that the listeners could do right now for a better life or relationship or co-parenting experience. I think one of my favorite phrases, and I have many of them, is your kids will not remember who had how many days during spring break of 2024, but they will remember the fight you had about it. So I really encourage people to think about the importance of what you're fighting about. And will that matter in 10 years? Will your kids look back and go, wow, my life would have been so much better if dad would have had spring break in 2023 instead of mom. Probably not. But what will matter to them was the big argument they had to witness on your way out of town because one parent was saying, you better bring them back on this day. And then the other one was saying, no, I'm not because the court order says those are the kinds of things that stick with kids. So put it in perspective. Yeah. I think one thing that's been helpful that I've used is get the other parent out of your head that really, if you, you got the legal divorce, if you want to get the emotional divorce, then stop thinking about what the other parent's going to say, what they're going to do, what they're not going to say, what they're not going to do and free up that space. I mean, that's part of setting those healthy boundaries, set the boundaries. Where do I start? Where do you end so that I can have a healthy space and Keep that other parent out of that space and fill it with your kids. Amen. So good. And some people might need a little extra help getting to the point of getting that person because that takes a lot of practice. So thank you both so much for taking the time to be here. It means the world to me and the information was so helpful. And, you know, tell my listeners, how can they reach out to you? your podcast, where can they find that? It'll all be in the show notes, folks. But can you just leave us with that? Sure. You can find us at coparentdilemmas.com or search on any podcast platform that's out there. We're on them all. Wonderful. Thank you both so much. Take good care. Thanks, Lisa. All right. Take care, Lisa. Thank you for having us. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. 
Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.